What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day today. I'm especially excited today. We're going on a little vacation next week. Always good leading up to that point in time. So I drive a 2003 Avalon. So it's, I guess, 18 years old now. It's a, you know, a pretty old car, but I think it's pretty nice. It's got leather seats, heated seats, actually. It's got a uh, six-disc CD changer, big time. I think it might even have a cassette de uh, deck on it. It's definitely that old. So I have the money to buy a nicer car, and I'm often tempted to, to uh, buy a nicer one. But so far, I've not pulled the trigger on that, and I feel really good about it. So today, I wanted to talk to you about specifically that car buying decision and how that works. I think cars are definitely one of the most expensive things that people spend their money on. So it's definitely a big deal. It's a big part of a lot of people's monthly lifestyle. And odds are you're going to spend a lot of, on cars over your lifetime. And there's also a really big range in what people spend. First of all, I think it's completely fine to buy nice, fancy, expensive cars and be on the high range of spending. That's completely fine. More power to you if that's you. I think the trick is, as long as you're buying it for the right reasons and going in with a level head, I think that's the key. I think the problem is when people have or make those decisions for the wrong reasons or you have the blinders on or you make a poor decision that's not in alignment with your priorities. So that's what that's what we're going to talk about today is going into that decision and making a good, solid, level-headed decision as you approach your next car buy. So it seems like there's this trap that people fall into, and I think everyone is susceptible to it. You tend to tell yourself it's going to be a practical decision on the front end. I think most people approach the car decision from a practical standpoint. It's, I need the car to get from point A to B or for safety reasons. That's typically kind of part of that initial mentality. But maybe you have your car and it's several years old and it's starting to have some mechanical issues. That's a lot of times what triggers the initial thought. Maybe I need to swap out cars. So maybe you have a small mechanical issue. You, you have to go get it fixed. It's annoying. You're like, eh, the car is starting to get a little older. And so you've all of a sudden started down the path of investigating alternative options for maybe upgrading your car. I think everybody's been there where they're at that point. Like I said, it typically starts out, you know, fairly practical. At least that's what gets you kind of at that point where you're looking for, where you're looking for cars, either online or you're maybe even going to car lots. But what a lot of times happens is as you start to go through the decision, there's all these other factors that get inserted into the equation. And a lot of times they fly under the radar and you end up making the decision for other reasons than where you started in the practical frame of thought. I think the car companies really know this completely. Look at their commercials. They really drill on the feel and the look of a car and how that conveys who you are as a person. I think they nail the whole like identity behind the car. So obviously it drives uh, car buying decisions because those car companies are really marketing to the fact of your identity and who you are as a person and what kind of car you drive and what people think of you and that sort of thing. So I think they know it's a huge factor and that it often drives your car buying decision. But what where does that come into the equation and how does that, how do you go from my car has mechanical issues to 
your car being part of your identity, that's kind of where the psychology starts to sneak into the equation. So cars are really expensive too, right? So just like an iPhone is really expensive, but these car companies like Apple has, they've figured out also how to blur the financial aspects of that car buying decision with things like 0% financing and monthly payment options and spreading that out. So it's just, that's, so this is where this psychology starts to, to get sprinkled in. I think everybody's susceptible to, as they start looking for the car, you say you get on the car lot, you start looking online, you start to envision yourself in the car and you're like, man, I would look pretty cool in that car. Like I, or it, it would feel good to drive that car, or maybe you take for a test drive and it does feel awesome. It's like this thing's got major pickup or it drives really nice. You've already started to emotionally connect to the car and that's the slippery slope. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but, and I've been down this path myself many times, but I think the problems happen when you have the blinders on, when you're not aware of it, that it's even really happening or you're telling yourself, I'm doing it for practical reasons. You're going under the guise of making a practical economical decision when in reality you are making a decision uh, about feeling good and driving a nice car, which is fine too. So I think the key though, we'll talk about it is taking those blinders off and being aware of what's actually happening. Like I said, I've had this, I've had this specific thing happen to me multiple times. I'm still driving an old car. So what's, how's that shaking out? I wrote a blog post a while ago about driving an old car. I'll link to it in the show notes. Like I said, I've been tempted to buy or upgrade many times. So, um, not long ago, my wife was bashed, giving me crap about my old car, <laughs> which happens regularly and was saying, you ought to get a, an SUV. We have three boys. She's, you got stuff you got to cart around. Like you got the boys, you got their sports stuff. Like you ought to probably start looking at getting an SUV now that they're getting older and uh, upgrading. And so I'm like, yeah, maybe she's got a point. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe I should look, start looking at cars. So of course I start to go look online. I like to, I'll look at cars online. I start looking and this is how it goes for me. I start looking at maybe a, a Jeep SUV or something. And I need to be practical with this. I'm still thinking about the practical side, but I'm like, oh, I gotta be pra practical. So let's look at a used Jeep. But then I compare it to the newer version. And then I look at the options on the newer version and they're always more appealing and then i compare it to maybe the year even after that and all of a sudden i'm looking at the brand new option and i'm like man that is way nicer than the older version and so i have gotten i've gotten myself in this situation where i'm like seriously considering buying a brand new suv and it looks awesome and i'm like man i would look good in that car and it would drive nice and it would be much nicer than my current maybe we can make this thing work and so i so literally I'm at that point, I'm considering it. I'm going through the process. I'm doing the numbers. I'm going under the, still going under the disguise of maybe this is a practical decision, but luckily, I guess this is where my financial planner side kicks in. I'm like, timeout. Okay. Uh, let's take a timeout. So I'm like, I need to practice what I preach. So I tell clients this all the time, but I'm like, I need to take a timeout and let's look at the numbers and the priorities of this decision first, before I start go going too far down this road. And so that's when I pull out my old spreadsheet that I have. So I track the actual costs driving of my car. I track like the all in costs and you can see it in the blog post that I wrote, but basically the thing is like, 
insanely inexpensive. It's already fully depreciated pretty much. So it doesn't like decrease in value really at all. I drive it so little that there's hardly any fuel costs. Insurance is extremely inexpensive. Basically all in, and I'm talking like maintenance, repairs, insurance, fuel, finance, all the taxes and fees and depreciation and everything all in. It's my car is less than a hundred dollars a month to drive. And so this thing is extremely inexpensive to drive. So when I start to look at the practical side and I'm like, okay, what is this car ultimately for? What's the purpose of it for me? And so for me, when I really drill down on it, it's get from point A to point B. I drive very little. I drive like 2000 miles a year. So I don't spend a lot of time in my car. It's really literally just let's get me from point A to point B. When I start to, to get to this point, I'm like, okay, the numbers, if, if, if really it's just get from point A to point B and maybe drive my kids around from a practical standpoint, the numbers are pretty important. And I want to have a car that gets me from point A to point B and is as economical as possible in doing that. And so I start to compare those $100 a month all-in costs of driving my current car to like a brand new SUV. And it's not even close. Like the thing... These new cars that you're going to spend a thousand, a lot of times a thousand or more per month all in to drive the brand new car. So I'm thinking, shoot, maybe my car is not so bad after all. The thing runs, it's got, it's got leather seats. They're even heated. I got my CD player. I'm all good. And it's, so that's the cycle I get in whenever it seems like it comes up. I'm like, this seems cool. I want to get a new car. I'd look cool in it. Oh, hold on time out. Let's look at the numbers. Let's be practical. I actually really only need a car like 2,000 miles a year. I drive it very little. The cost is very important because it's all it really is, point A to point B. And the cost of driving my car is insanely low. Probably going to be impossible for me. As long as the thing's running, it's probably going to be impossible for me to ever find a car that's less expensive than my current car that I have right now. And so I end up where I'm like, I can't even imagine buying a car after going through that exercise. But the key was to kind of take a step back, take that time out. That was the key. That's the key always for me is like, take a time out and say, okay, let's go through the priorities. And for me, if I do that, I snap back to it. And I'm like, my priorities are really not in alignment with buying a new car. And I typically decide on just keeping my car and, and feel really good about it. How do you start to how do you apply this to your situation? Like, how do you, because everybody's different. That's me, right? So I am um, not a car guy, like I, and I drive very little in my car. So everybody's different. So I think the key, like I was saying, is take the time out before, especially before you get into the, too far down the emotional side of buying. Ask yourself, what is the true purpose of the car for you? And so there's a few big kind of key areas that come to mind of maybe why you might have your car, like the key purposes of having a car. So I mentioned one of them getting from point A to point B. Everybody has that some level of that, or how do you feel driving the car? There's a nice car feels much nicer, drives faster, comfortable, nice seats. There is a comfort level of having a nicer car, or how do you look driving a nicer car? There is a, an added uh, benefit to having a nicer car or on the other hand, having an old crappy car, it can be embarrassing. My car made loud, awkward noises for a while. Like it was a little embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. So a new car 
at a minimum shouldn't have that problem. And it might even make you look cool like that. And that's okay. But how do you look driving a car? A lot of times that's varies by people. Like some people want to look good in a, in a nice car and that's okay. Other people are like, doesn't bother me too much. It's, it's just to get me from point A to point B. Reliability is often a big one for people, like just having a safe and reliable car. That's important for me. Or maybe you need four wheel drive. Like that's kind of a reliability thing too, is it's got to get me where I need to go and not be breaking down or getting stuck. Also for a lot of people, especially lately, environmental reasons, people are, it's electric cars are a lot more popular lately. And some people have, that is a high value priority is to have a car that's environmentally friendly. And then fuel efficiency is in that realm, but you can also start to bring in some economic reasons for buying a car that's much more fuel efficient that a lot of times can come into play, especially for people that uh, drive a lot. So I think if you, as you're going through the car buying decision, if you can take that time out and say, okay, let's think about each of these priorities and really give it a hard look. How do I rank them? And how's that going to change things? So for me, I'm like, get from point A to point B is probably number one in my situation. That's really what it's about. How do you feel looking and driving in a car? How does it feel to drive the car? What does it look like to other people? For me, that's less important. And in fact, I feel like uh, driving an old car has been nice for me. It's like, uh, I don't even care to the point where if my kid throws a rock and accidentally hits my car, it really doesn't bother me at all. Like it just, it's just not that big of a deal for me. And I kind of like that. But like I said, everybody's different. Maybe you enjoy the nice aspect of driving in a car. I have driven, my wife's car is nice and slightly nicer than mine. I've driven nicer cars and it is, it does feel nice. It's a matter of how much time you spend in it and how much, how much importance that has for you. So just go through those priorities. Think about it for your situation. Maybe think about it. Another thing I think is good is think about it from not only a dollar's standpoint, like dollars and cents, but also at hours standpoint. So I could see, like I said, I drive 2000 miles a year. Like I hardly drive any. And if you're, if I was driving like 2000 a week, like my buddy, I was talking to the other day, he drives, uh, 2000 miles a week or one to 2000 a week. He's in medical sales. And so in, if I'm in that situation, I'm thinking, well, maybe the comfort be pro- probably comes out much higher priority. I want a car that's going to be like feeling good because I'm going to be spending a ton of time. Also fuel efficiency is going to become a bigger deal if I'm driving that many miles. Cause I'm like, I can't have a gas guzzle or big old truck, 10 miles a gallon driving a thousand miles a week. And then as you've gone, after you've gone through all that and you've drilled down on the priorities, think about the alternatives. That's another thing before you buy the car. So in my situation, my car costs a hundred dollars a month, less than a hundred dollars a month all in. So if I'm compared to the new car, say it is important for me to have a more fuel efficient, environmentally friendly car. So I'm upgrading and that car is going to cost a thousand dollars a month instead of a hundred dollars a month. Before you pull the trigger, think about what alternatives could I spend the $900 a month on? Uh, that one, a lot of times gets me hung up too. I'm like, I'm always going to be like, I'd rather have a really sweet trip and spend the $900 a month than upgrade cars. So it's good, I think, to think about the alternatives before you ultimately pull the trigger. But at the end of the day, 
I think the big thing about going through this sort of exercise, instead of just going on a whim and buying in an emotional kind of trance, I think the key in going through this sort of process is that even if you do buy a nice fancy car, it's all good. Like you've gone through the exercise, you've thought it out really well and you're buying it for the right reasons. And that's not a problem. Like it's actually, it's great. It's, you can enjoy the car. You're buying it for the right reasons. You've considered the alternatives and that will help you, you know, sleep better at night, not worry so much and ultimately make better decisions. There's a couple uh, resources I'll link to in the show notes too. I think it's Edmunds. Yeah, Edmonds has a five-year cost of ownership calculator, which is really helpful for comparing, starting to get an idea of what the true all-in costs are of owning a car. Because a lot of times you don't quite realize what a car is actually cost, especially if you buy a new car. Like they depreciate so much in the very beginning. Most cars do depreciate big time in the early years. So this will help you to get a sense of what the all-in costs are between depreciation um, and all the other fuel maintenance, all that other stuff. So I'll link to that uh, tool or resource in the show notes. I hope this has been helpful. This is definitely something to keep in your back pocket as you go about. If, you're, if you start to get the itch, you're thinking about the car, pull this out, think through this exercise. That's the key is in your day-to-day is you're just keeping this in your back pocket. All right. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, as always, reach out with questions or let us know if there's specific areas you'd like us to dig into in the future. And uh, we'll see you next time. Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.